Please be seated. From the very beginning of Luke's birth narrative, with so much spirit moving between Jesus and John the Baptist, we are meant to anticipate Jesus' ministry by learning about John's. John, who bursts on the scene, calling upon Israel to realign themselves with God's purpose through their daily doings that are in keeping with God's vision of justice and compassion. A new epoch begins here, one bearing both the promise of blessings and the woe of divisions. And this is what is meant by the kingdom of heaven being at hand. John offers the people a sort of reminder meets innovation, sort of revolution as evolution, because what follows, what evolves in Luke's story is Jesus' ministry in Galilee, where we see the formation of patterns in thinking and behavior through which God's deepest and most loving desires for us, for the world, are meant to be realized. And as the story evolves, so does the people's understanding of the nature of Jesus' sonship, how he is related to the Godhead Yahweh. His identity comes more and more into focus, and so does a radical reconceiving of empowerment. Empowerment within the missionary program, he proclaims in his hometown synagogue, bringing good news to the poor, releasing captives, setting the oppressed free. The tandem tracks of realization about Jesus' identity and his mission become clearer and clearer across a series of episodes, mostly teaching and healing. And this happens visibly, of course, but also even as his followers and onlookers are focused on the optics and the sayings some of these followers and onlookers get on board, and others instead become hostile. And all the while, influences are being made that are not visible, which is naturally what intrigues me the most, because this is what is meant by the kingdom of heaven being among you. Our present location in the arc of the story is post-Galilee. Jesus is headed singular focus toward Jerusalem. Some scholars say that if you listen closely, you can hear echoes of Israel's great exodus from Egypt to the Promised Land. Both journeys are very much about the formation of disciples, itself an evolving thing. From Israelite exodus to John's reminder to Jesus' hands-on hands -on mission work, thinking and doing becoming aligned with God's purposes is pretty much the point. And this alignment stuff, easy, not easy, right? Well, you may be able to ease your reflections about it by acknowledging that much like the community around Jesus, some of whom are prepared to receive the word and others not so much, very similar kinds of conflict are at play in you, in each of us. And while in the abstract, it should be really easy to just decide to get on board with God's purposes and not even look back, something in the human condition gets in the way. It's not really as simple as flipping a switch. 
But here's two simple questions that may help us feel like we're gonna start to install a switch. Number one, how does it help to acknowledge that your patterns of thinking and feeling are evolving? And two, could normalizing that kind of acceptance help you participate more effectively in the evolutionary process, in the disciple-making process? We humans are aware of ourselves, right? Sure, there are varying degrees of self-awareness, but there's an undeniable mutuality of awareness, too. We're also aware of others, and they're aware of us. One has only to observe human social life to know this. But as our thinking and feeling and behavior patterns evolve, we can come to realize or at least begin to wonder about the nature of that which is greater than us, that which can be said to have created everything, the prime mover, God. And these wonderings don't have to evolve very far before questions begin to arise as to the difference between the reality of our fellow beings and the reality of the presence of God in us. The difference between social consciousness and God consciousness, this, this might be what Jesus is up to in today's gospel. Everything changes when we're more God conscious more conscious of God's presence in us. In today's Gospel reading, we find the third in a series of teachings. Last week, we had the random passerby heckling Jesus. Hey, Rabbi, tell my brother to split the money with me. Followed by that parable on greed. Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Your life is over tonight, buddy. And sandwiched between that passage and today's, there's a lovely Jesus speech about the ravens not having any storage barns and the lilies having better wardrobe than a king. You people can't add a minute to your life by worrying. And then today, on the heels of not worrying, it's almost like Jesus starts out suggesting you should be very, very worried. <laughs> But is that what he's really doing? I don't think so. It doesn't really seem like that when you factor in his interest in your God consciousness. We're getting closer and closer as his messaging evolves to the kingdom of heaven being within you. God in you. Being with you. Being with God. God who understands the instability of the human self as it is situated in the ever-fluctuating world culture. God, who is aware of us and our evolving awareness of ourselves and of others, who gets it that our alignment with godly purpose isn't like flipping a switch, that it sometimes takes a lot of time and effort to get to places where we even want to do something like disciple formation. God, good old, sweet, tender, understanding, hopeful God, being with God. What a comforting thought. That's what it's all about, really. 
That's what our faith has always been about, right? Emmanuel. Which is exactly why I began to think of Jesus' lesson to us today in much less scary terms. Which brings me to my final thoughts on the matter today. It must have pained Jesus to witness the gross confusion in the human mind, especially in a country under occupation. So he promoted God consciousness for release of negative thought patterns, for the bringing of peace out of mass anxiety. This is what his teachings and healings are all about, his, his mission program. And maybe for impact, he used the expression the son of man because it has an effect on the human mind at a very deeply spiritual level. It's the Jesus effect. It's a powerful shift toward greater self-regulation through love of God. And here's an example of what I mean. Several years ago, I was failing at my chosen Lenten discipline. It doesn't matter what it was. What matters is that I tripped over what became a great Lenten practice when I saw a post on social media that suggested, much like the Jesus heckler, hey, how about instead of always imagining the worst possible outcome, you picture a positive one? So I began to try it. <laughs> and while it's not an incantation or a game of chess or anything like that, I can't help but think that something changed. And since then, and I've really practiced hard, and yet I rarely get it right. There are times. There are times. It's fascinating how it made me recall how back in the 80s, when I called myself being away from Christian faith community, I still continued to study all kinds of things about spirituality. And I held what I felt to be universal spiritual values in conjunction with the resonances of what I had learned from Christianity. I'm doing the same thing today in that conversation. So back then, when it was suggested that I can maybe make a difference in how I experience things by leaving room for a good outcome, I experimented. And the resulting occasional shifts in energy were pretty surprising. And I began to think of it as being with God. I'd envision an upcoming encounter with a boss or a client, <laughs> even a family member or a friend, and I would intentionally work hard to envision a more pleasant experience. And I can't say that forming this kind of intention is a surefire way to change how others behave in those future encounters. All I can say is how it changes me and what I bring into the room. And maybe this is all that Jesus is asking. Maybe this is at least something of what he's referring to in today's gospel. This, this preparedness he's pointing us toward. Are there elements of the kind of preparedness he's referring to? To be found in the development, the evolution of a habit of intending to be with God in this way? Of drawing on your personal, inalienable God consciousness? and projecting it into future encounters near and far. It seems like 
enhanced alignment, yeah? Seems like disciple formation. It might be worth a try. (laughs) Imagine if everybody thought so. Amen.